I really wanted to do lasagna, I realized I can't simmer this stuff on, on the hops. So what I'll do is I'll put it in the oven at about 140, 150, something like that. Works really well because it cooks the sauce through, doesn't burn it, works really nicely. The one thing you have to remember about cooking in a saucepan in the oven is when you take it out, don't touch it with your bare hands. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. You have myself and Henry again, and for the first time in a little while, we've got a guest. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, Mark Salen is a member of the Long Snapper podcast that I also uh, appear on from time to time, basically every week. And can't get rid of basically now yeah i know part of the furniture (laughs) so welcome mark we were chatting before the podcast about albums and bands that you're into and you're sort of in the the adam camp of music in the i I wouldn't wouldn't quite go that far um (laughs) in in that you know they they don't have to have sold 50 million records in order for me to have heard of them right but my favorite albums are very much from a, like very much from the 90s um if i could go back to one one decade like relive that from a music point of view it would definitely be the 90s is, is there like a line in the sand around kind of what 2000 and that's it or no i think probably mid to, like 2006 2007 it was kind of about then that i kept listening to the bands that i liked yeah. but i couldn't really be bothered to find new bands if, if like someone recommended something to me or if i heard something on the radio or if there's if something came out that is good i'll certainly listen to it I, I think it's just different now because you know you're not excited about that band releasing that album on cd that you have to go and buy and go to hmv and get it and then go back and then copy it and give it to all your mates not like <laughs> um, it was like that was that was proper exciting at that time and you don't get that anymore it's just kind of like everything's drip fed to you on a on a device that you have anyway it's just not as fun and there's so much there that finding it's almost trying to filter out all of the fairly mediocre stuff to find the stuff that really clicks with you yeah i remember the days when you have to go into hmv and like they had all the cds and the little stands that you could get the headphones on and spend half an hour listening to them i love doing that because you you found bands and albums that i found even back then like in the late 90s early noughties that are brilliant eels was one of those i know you've spoken about before that was a band i discovered doing that type of thing but yeah it's just you don't you don't get that thrill of the new i miss the cd we we used to do it with my my mates we'd go into hmv and do a lucky dip from the bargain bin so every uh every couple of weeks you just put your hand in and and see what you got my one week my brother got come on you hoops by celtic celtic (laughs) had had released a football anthem and he and he played it around the house all the time it's like Joe, you don't need to play it just because you bought it. Just throw it in the bin. He's like, no, no, no. I bought this, so I'm going to play this. It's amazing. Yeah. You'd never, you'd never be allowed to do that with Corona now, would you? Can you imagine sharing headphones with other people? I mean, it's, it's sort of a bit disgusting now. The number oh, yeah. of ear diseases that must have been handed around in December time <laughs> Hor- back horrible. in the 90s. I remember, I remember discovering Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes on one of those, um, <laughs> on one of those collective headphone sets that they had in a shop. And I think that might have been in like an R price or something like that. And Amazing. I, I dare say most of your listeners have never heard of R price. That's sad, isn't it? I know. We, we've we've gone down this route of talking about the listening posts in the past. And R price listening posts were a very big part of my uh, my 
teenage years and getting to know music that I'd never heard of before. I think back then I was just more I was more interested in maybe had more time to try and seek out new music and going to you go to shops to if you just like the look of a cover almost or you'd heard of one song on an album and then you you go like Smash Mouth is a, is a band that I'd heard of one song of so I went and got one of their albums and then actually think actually this is really good and you listen to it <laughs> and you get more into it by listening to it that way but then there's other bands that you discover completely randomly because a mate says oh, I'll have a listen to this and who I'm going to be talking about is one of those. Yeah, so who do we have? Who do you have lined up for us? So the band I'm going to be talking about is a band originating from LA in California, started around the early 90s, um, but it's the pop-punk alt-rock band Weezer. Excellent. Weezer. And you've, you've picked out the Blue Album particularly. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate that I think with any band, when their first album is by far their best album but i don't think you can deny that it's it's the best record that they've ever put out and on a lot of very influential charts it's deemed to be in you know the top 100 albums of all time so i think if you if you're talking about weezer and you've only got one album to pick it starts and finishes at the blue album they are quite a they're thought of as being this quite geek rock band but actually if you listen to the music and you listen to the styles that they've got in there there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty grungy stuff particularly in those earlier albums and Rivers Cuomo has talked about the fact that he's very heavily influenced by by Nirvana by the Pixies but also by bands like the Beach Boys particularly Pet Sounds and Smile and it's really interesting because you can see those two styles coming together the very kind of pop sensibilities but also with this kind of grungy guitars thing as well i think that's why it was so popular at the time because you didn't have to have this kind of full-on noise sound like nirvana would play it was a little bit toned down so it was that you'd still get the kind of the grunge kids listening to it but at the same time it was a bit more poppy than that and you do get those harmonies that go oh okay i can this could be radio friendly so yeah they get they get that balance really well and how did you discover the album? It, was, it must have been mid '90s, and it was it was around at one of my friend's houses. And it, we always, you know, we were 14, 15 years old at the time, listening to music. But it was all about you're at that age where you're you're getting into other things in life. And he had discovered somewhere along the line what ended up what was their the first track from the album that was released as a single called "Undone," the sweater song, and it was meant to be a really sad melancholy song about being the the unfortunate kid that no one sits next to on the bus but when he listened to it it was we just found it hilarious the way that it was (laughs) almost as much of the the tone with all the talking of the song and the way that it was done and portrayed it was like some of the stuff we just really it spoke to us at the time so yeah it was a, a friend of mine that had listened to it had i think had heard it on the radio had the bought probably the tape cassette single or something like that and and we listened to that and then from there we went and discovered the blue albums and loved it ever since because the sweater song it kind of starts with this spoken word stoner old guy and yeah. i can't really kind of he's, he's mumbling along it's like, hey bob it's a, how you doing yeah. man <laughs> it's, it's a weird way to start a song yeah it was and it was i think it was just meant to be like people talking to this guy doesn't really fit in and that's that's a theme that goes throughout the whole album not quite fitting in trying to be popular and but not being as, as you said rich kind of that that geekiness that comes through the whole thing and i think a lot of kids that are around my age at that time that was something that really spoke to an awful lot of people there was the, the stuff that was coming out at that time was a lot of the grungy stuff as you mentioned that was really it was angry it was shouty 
and they were the people that were pissed off with the world. And then this this new band came out that were in a slightly different direction that were, you know, they had stuff to say, but it was it was more about self-depreciation. It was more about ha- having a bit of a laugh with it. Because the, the, the video for that, have you, have you seen it? Yeah. It's this kind of single shot of them in a studio with a blue background with a load of dogs on stage yeah. and the dogs are just <laughs> running around and that's it. And there's nothing to it. And I think it was, it was massive on MTV. People yeah. just watched it because it was so different to Kurt Cobain throwing a guitar in. Well, that's something that's really a thing with Weezer is their ability to, or at least in the early days was their ability to connect with the audience, whether it's through those videos for MTV or later, once you hit the kind of late nineties and you start getting internet message boards and all that kind of stuff, they built a huge fan following and actually Pinkerton, which is the next album that really became much more popular because of a groundswell of support from those fans. Yeah, especially Buddy Holly was, um, was a key thing with the really, really famous video in Al's diner from happy days. And I think it was almost as much the popularity of the video as, as as the song that made Weezer at least got a lot of people to discover who Weezer were because they saw this video, saw Happy Days, were like, oh, this is actually quite cool. Let's go and look them up and then discovered the album that way. So there's a lot of bands that have tried to do that with videos and very few of them that, that really succeed. But Weezer were one. And I'm also put in, in mind of a band called OK Go, who yeah. had a very famous... Great song very very budget video that was just four treadmills but them yeah. dancing on the four treadmills and it is it's really budget if you go back and watch it now like the 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 quality of what they <laughs> were doing five is, quid to make. <laughs> yeah it's shit but the video's brilliant and it got them so much attention and they they've made a career on i'm not sure their music's particularly special it's pretty good but the videos and the way they've used that, because some of the ones that they've released, I mean, they get hundreds of millions of views on YouTube, probably from people who are more interested in watching the video than they are listening to the music. Yeah, I, I found the video through the Windows 95 CD. I don't know if either of you guys got that, but when you bought a new computer and there was a kind of installation CD from Windows 95 and there was another one with like a kind of fun pack on with a couple of games and a video and they'd put Buddy Holly onto this CD, apparently without the band's permission. So Geffen Records basically said, let's just do this. And the, none of the band knew. And they didn't really have computers and they didn't understand this. And the, the drummer, Pat Wilson, was pissed off because he was like, how dare you put our music on this CD for uh, for Microsoft? But it was one of the reasons why it got so so popular because everyone saw the video. When you got a new, new computer, you saw Weezer. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those tracks that's really, it almost defines the kind of move into a new sound weezer didn't really fit with any of the kind of existing genres in american music at the time you think the main way that guitar bands were making music was either you had the old school rockers so i'm thinking springsteen you had country music which we don't really hear much over here but we've talked a little bit about you've got grunge and that seattle scene and maybe some heavy metal still hanging around from the likes of Guns N' Roses and that lot, but that's sort of starting to fade into grunge. And then Weezer almost don't really fit in any of those buckets. They're a throwback to Beach Boys and Beatles and that kind of sound, but mixed with new school grunge, and it's sort of a completely different (laughs) space that no one else was doing much in. I tried to find other bands that were similar from that time, and I couldn't. This is almost similar to the the video itself, because... 
you've got a video of Happy Days made in the 90s of a show that was made in the 70s depicting a time of the 50s. And you've got all these different times. And it, and it messed with my head at the time because I was watching it. Once I'd got Windows 95 booted up and then I was watching this um, this video, just like, but they're in Happy Days, which is the 70s, but they're playing now, which means that they must be a new band. And my head just exploded. That was, <laughs> uh, that was great. But there's some yeah. other amazing songs on there as well. I mean, you must have some favourites that suck you in on the album. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It's, it's one of those albums that I think you can listen to because it's only it's not a long album. It's only, I think, just over 40 minutes. And I don't think any songs on there that you would say are terrible. Even, like the, f- the first song is, as we spoke about the other day, My Name is Jonas. The intro to that as a first track is brilliant, which is, it, and interestingly enough, it's the only bit, I, I don't know if you guys were aware, that the original guitarist on the album recorded the entire thing in the studio and then was fired almost immediately afterwards because he had um, his missus was pregnant and he was he was gone AWOL and he was being really difficult to work with. So the guy, Jason Cropper, was sacked and Rivers Cuomo decided that he wanted to re-record every bit of guitar that he'd done in the album with a new person. The only bit that the guitarist couldn't do was the intro to My Name is Jonas. So the no. only credit that Cropper still has in the album is on that track because they couldn't recreate that intro to the song. That's awesome. a hell of a credit to have. Yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> if that's all you've achieved in music, that's not bad, is it, really? You'd be happy with that. See, I had forgotten about Weezer a bit by 2008-2009. Must have been around that time when I got hold of Guitar Hero. And My Name is Jonas is one of the tracks on Guitar Hero. And it's brilliant to play on Guitar Hero. It's so much fun because it kind of bounces around and it's got... What I love about that intro is is the the pretty guitar that then launches into that loud rock guitar it's it's just such a brilliant you could you can almost anyone who's heard that track will know exactly what you mean when you talk about like the emotion of raw energy and positivity kicking in as that big rock guitar comes in behind yeah everything about it is brilliant i think the way that it's set up it really sets up the album as well because i think there's a lot of a lot in there that is carried through the rest of it through all the tracks and then the way that it leads into no one else afterwards is just it just works melodically and i think even not necessarily as much the lyrics but just how that song makes you feel it's a proper proper intro into an album i also have another interesting thing about that it's in three three time so it's a waltz <laughs> there you go <laughs> which is which is, <clears throat> is bizarre it? as like a first yes yeah, three three time if you think about debut oh, albums it is. You want that first song to be a real hook. Putting a song on that's in 3-3 three, three time rather than 4-4, four, four, which obviously is the most used anywhere in the world, is it's sort of a bit of a risk to go with that. But it works so well. Yeah, Good couldn't show. agree more. And then talking about another favourite, it's one that goes in a very different direction on the album. But you, you listen to it and it's got a lot of the, the geeky, the nerdiness comes through. There's an overriding jolly feel, I think, to the whole album. And then all of a sudden you hit Say It Ain't So. And Say It Ain't So is a a track all about how he thought his parents were were getting a divorce. And, you know, you've got the track and the way that it then goes into the the way that he's almost speaking to his dad as part of the song. You write to In Spite of Years of Silence and all of that stuff. And it's that's quite that's quite a powerful record. And I think it showed their range within the album that they weren't just this happy go lucky trying to be better at being with girls band. But there was a lot of substance to them as well in that track. I noted down that a lot of the album's quite poppy and this has the potential to be another one of those quite poppy songs if you think about the structure and the melody that you've got in there. But then it's got 
that off-kilter, discordant, unnerving edge to it. And the way it launches into that crunching guitar-y chorus is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So Rivers Cuomo's not the... He's an interesting guy. He's, he's clearly an introvert. And I read at Harvard, they were sound checking near Harvard. And he enrolled there as a effectively a mature student. And he would he grew a beard and he was basically going through a bit of a bad patch. And he'd have kids in Weezer t-shirts coming up having a chat to him. They wouldn't recognise him, but it was just a funny, funny time. But he had painted... I think he painted his room black. And clearly this guy's... He's got so many uplifting songs in his back catalogue. And actually, even now, he's got some some cracking songs, which are all uplifting. But the front man himself, he seems to be quite a kind of quiet guy. I've, I've seen them live. I went to see them like many, many moons ago, probably 2001, 2002, just after the Green Album had been released. I went up to a hellhole of a venue in Birmingham somewhere. <laughs> and he comes across like that on stage as well. It's almost like he's a little bit embarrassed to be there. It's like, why, why would all you guys pay to come and see me? But then when he starts playing, he's a different beast altogether. And the crowd were like, it was a savage audience in so much that not the, that they didn't like what they were hearing. It was just that they were, you know, they were vicious with each other. And it was a really good gig. But, you know, when he walks out and you've, you know, when I've been to see Green Day live and when Billy Joe comes out, he's got a presence about him. Rivers doesn't have that, but it's a, you know, when he starts playing, that's when I think his his inner personality can really comes to the fore. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if if you were seeing them just after the Green Album, you've got things like Hashpipe, which yeah. was what probably that and uh, Island in the Sun were the two big tracks of that album and yeah. hashpipe is quite a an angry stoner theme almost yeah. it it does have that edge of, of and i assume that's one that probably would have quite a big mosh pit do, do you know how he wrote the song apparently no. he was he was looking for inspiration so he took some ritalin had three shots of tequila walked into his back garden sat in a chair shut his eyes and thought of a song and that was hashpipe so he basically just <laughs> he took a load of drugs doesn't surprise him the and they just waited for inspiration to happen and hashpipe was the result he's sort of an interesting guy when it comes to that because i read an article talking about him and a little bit of bit of interview in that apparently he organized his songs by spreadsheet and maintained a binder called his encyclopedia of pop which contained a breakdown of every nirvana oasis and green day song trying to mathematically dissect them in order to achieve his own formula for perfect songwriting and that <laughs> sort of sums the guy up really doesn't it yeah he's definitely on the spectrum somewhere there's, <laughs> wow. you know there's there's no doubt about that he's i think a really really fascinating guy when you talk about him having a lot of dark times i think that's something that he's been through a lot in his life you know he was i think he had quite a sheltered upbringing in connecticut or somewhere like that and um to then become what he is now like i think it's probably really positive for him that he found that avenue to to be able to express himself because otherwise it could have been quite a sad story well that's how the band got their name i think he was bullied as a kid because he had asthma and so they they called him weezer so he he used that as the name of the band there's another one as well is the underlying sadness difficulty that kind of stuff definitely you've got this almost the music the actual melodies tend to be very upbeat but then you've always got this underlying sadness in the lyrics off kilterness in some of the guitar lines and things like that that always hint towards that edge and i'd imagine that there's probably quite a lot of the backlash around some of the later weezer albums that probably really affected him in terms of his mental health just because you're someone that wants to write perfect music and yet all your fans hate what you're producing i like holiday on the blue album which is 
it's kind of neither happy nor sad. I actually, so <laughs> this is a random fact. I use holiday as my turbulent song on aeroplanes. So if I'm going on <laughs> holiday, so I specifically find holiday because firstly, it reminds me why I paid hundreds of pounds to be in this hellhole bouncing around if I'm in turbulence. I know that I'm going on holiday because Weezer are telling me and it's got that uh, such drive to it that you feel like you're getting towards your destination. So there's a top tip. If you're ever feeling like um, you don't like turbulence, put on holiday from Weezer. It's great. And you and Lizzie have uh, dealt with a fair amount of pretty brutal turbulence over the years. Yeah, she doesn't travel well. Better than the Dizzy Rascal version of Holiday, anyway. I have never heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, have to think. I might, might have to go and have a listen. Although you might have, you might have an argument with Craig on that one. Yeah, that was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's <laughs> a deliberate prod there when he can't get a little bit, can't yeah. get a response in. <laughs> yeah, I so, think it, a lot of the positivity that comes out of it, I think, is is nice, and it probably needed at the time because I, th- I think I'm right in saying that the Blue Album came out a month after Kurt Cobain had killed himself. So there was probably a lot of angst amongst teenagers at the time who maybe needed something a little bit more positive at that point. Yeah, I didn't realise quite how long ago the Blue Album came out until I went and looked at the dates on Spotify. So 94, what I'd have been 13 years old at that point. And I didn't discover Weezer really until I was 17, 18. So I was a good kind of five years behind the curve on that. And I don't know that I really ever listened to Pinkerton properly, but I went and had a bit of a listen to it. I like it. It's quite grungy and a bit Pixies. It feels like them trying to write Pixies songs, which obviously he's a Pixies fan, so that makes sense. But it's an interesting one from the perspective of it's one of those albums where an artist has set a tone of what people expect with the Blue Album and then released something that they want to do from a creative perspective. But then their fans are like, wait, what the hell are you doing? Why aren't you doing more Blue Album stuff? We like that. And then they almost rebound a little bit further the other way with the Green Album to then correct course and do more poppy stuff. And it always feels like the first five or six albums are just this kind of pinballing based on fan opinion and critical opinion rather than after Pinkerton focusing on what they wanted to do themselves. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It was, I think it was a, a, almost a complete departure from what had made them successful it's it's that thing that bands almost get when they release that difficult third album where they're trying a little bit something new and they've built up this massive fan base that a lot of bands find weezer almost brought that on themselves because they released a second album that did go in a completely different direction and first tracks called tired of sex and the message that it had in there and it's it was such a different such had such a different feel to it even there were i think there were nods to it with a, a song called el scorcho on it there was a little bit there was a bit of comedicness in that song but yeah totally yeah. different and I, I still like pinkerton i think it's a really good listen but i don't think it stands the test of time anything like as well as the blue album does yeah i Did think you... el scorcho actually when you mentioned the pixies el scorcho is one which is pretty much their pixies attempt but actually that's one of the only tracks on that album that really sticks in my mind yeah it is a funny funny album i can't quite pigeonhole it did you get into it at the time mark was that one of the i love the blue album i must buy yeah the next album and... yeah very much and it was like as soon as that came out it was one of those you know i was i was really excited to really go and get it listen to it and he put it on expecting a lot of the same stuff and it was a bit like ah. Uh, it was fine. It was still good, but it, it wasn't the instant. As soon as you hear the tracks on the Blue Album, you're like, yes, this is this is what got me into that genre of music. And my taste in music was really, a lot of it was led by Weezer in the bands that I got into following on from that. But then when Pinkerton came out, it was kind of like, 
yeah, I see what you're doing here, but it wasn't anything like as the feeling wasn't the same. So when the Green Album came out, you were presumably that was a bit more of like, a, OK, we're going back towards blue. To me, it felt like it had gone too far the other way, though. Right. And, and I think a lot of the, the criticism that the Green Album gets is that it was just it was far too far on the poppy side and not enough on the rocky side. And and I think they suffer from that. I, I quite like the Green Album. Um, I think there's some some decent tracks on there. But again, I don't think they hit the heights of, of that first album, which is such a shame. And then, I mean, there's another what seven or eight albums after that. And have you listened to much of that? Um, <laughs> so it was, as happened with an awful lot of my taste in music, because I think after Pinkerton, they disappeared for a long time. Maladroit, I've listened to, wasn't a big fan. Make Believe I liked a lot more. And I think I, I think I own the Red Album, but I don't think I've listened to it in maybe 10 years. Since then, I didn't listen to, to Hurley or anything like that. And I've not really listened to a huge amount since to be honest and I, I don't know why i feel like maybe in doing this is going to lead me to looking up a lot more of their their elder stuff but i don't know whether it was just the flip-flopping between who you want to be as a band or whether each album was getting there was like two or three tracks on it that i really liked and that was that was who weezer was to me but a lot of the rest of it was more was more filler and it just didn't do the same thing for me and there were there's albums that knowing that i was coming on here there were albums that they've released in 2018 2019 i didn't even know existed so the Red Album, if you're going to pick one song off that, well, mainly for the video, but Pork and Beans, Pork I don't beans. know, do you, have you seen the video for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know it, whoever directed it was a genius. They went back over probably 10 years of YouTube and brought together all of the memes and all of that stuff from the ninja guy who kind of flips and falls on his feet, everyone. And they bring them all into that video to make this kind of mashup. And they do the the sweets into a cola bottle that squirts out everywhere. Watch Pork and Beans. And the song as well is is almost kind of primetime Weezer all the way back to the Blue Album. It's a, it is a bit of a classic. And it was kind of the last song that had any kind of commercial success over here at all, really, Pork and Beans. Because since then, they've obviously released quite a few albums, but nothing that mainstream has done anything at all. See, I'd stop paying attention to them completely. I think partly because I was never... I was never one of the huge Weezer fans. I loved the singles that they'd released, but I don't think I ever bought any of their albums. But last year when they released the Teal album, that got my attention because it's all covers. And they're actually quite, they're quite true to the originals, but there's some really great stuff on there. So they've got things like Africa and Take On Me and Mr. Blue Sky that you sort of, you kind of see where they're going with this stuff. And they it's play me, me first and the Gimme Gimme's. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, but it but really it's fun and, it, and it's enjoyable. But they've also got a cover of No Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to dig that out. It's it's good. I listened to it a couple of times and I didn't really go back to it. But they have released the Black Album since then, and I haven't listened to it. I will after after we've done this. I will actually go and go and have a bit of a listen and see what I think. Yeah, I downloaded Gratitude, um, which was war from 2009. And again, it's the opener to that is brilliance. If you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to is the the name of the track. That's an absolute belter. So go and find that and put it on. That's that's brilliant. The rest of the album is is not so good. But if you want a Weezer single, a bit like Pork and Beans, that's another one where he's just 
he's a songsmith. Every now and then he'll just pull an absolute classic out of the bag. It feels like they've become, since those original classics or that first classic they've become a bit of a compilation album specialist haven't they so you can take two or three tracks from every one of their albums and make a brilliant playlist but an album of of its own back just not as strong as they were in the early days i always got frustrated with bands like that i i can't think of one right now but there's definitely been a few where i probably when i was like early 20s i kept buying their albums and they kept being that there was like three or four tracks that i absolutely loved and the rest of it was filler I just think if you just combined all of the best stuff into one album, throw away the crap, just throw it away. Don't worry about it. You'd have incredible music, but it's just so frustrating, particularly back then when you couldn't just make a playlist of the best tracks on Spotify. You had to buy the album and put up with the filler. Yeah. yeah and, and another one on my list, like, so everything will be all right in the end. That album from 2014, it's gone nowhere. Can't remember any songs on it, but Da Vinci is on one of my playlists put da vinci on that's another great song and yeah i think you're right they, they do seem to be a, a compilation band and i don't mind because if all a band does is is release a couple of brilliant songs every three or four years then i'm, I'm okay with that because they and they've always given me the blue album that took me into a direction with music that i hadn't really had any kind of exposure to i, I think following on from there i went more down kind of the punk route and listening off listening off the back of it i discovered a, a compilation album called punkarama that you may or may not have heard of and um and weezer are on what the one of the first ones but it's just full of bands like no effects rancid offspring bad religion those kind of guys and so my my music taste off the back of that went down that road to more punk and then into scar was another big thing that i i really got into and you've mentioned real big fish on a couple of um podcasts ago as being someone that you that you listen to a lot and a couple of the real big fish albums are absolutely like perfect to me and it was it was the blue album that got me into all of that that's the thing with scar punk is it's got that positive energy along with the punk elements and that's that's part of the reason why i absolutely love it i mean Apart from everything else they've done, beer is one of my favourite <laughs> jump up and down party tracks when I'm pissed. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And you've got bands like Less Than Jake, the Mighty Mighty Bostones as well, who yeah. just, they're all that similar kind of vibe. And and they are, they're, they're that uplifting, not too grungy sound that just makes you want to jump around. Fantastic. Yeah. Grungy guitars plus trumpets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i think i've always just been of the opinion that if i'm going to listen to music that it's like grumpy bastard music is fine has got a has, there's a place for it i think but if i'm listening to something i want it to give me like positive memories and a lot of music reminds me of times when i first heard that album or something that was happening when that when, when i first heard it or something was going on in my life at the time and i don't want those memories to be shit all the time i quite like the fact that i've got positive happy memories listening to songs going to see real big fish in bristol and getting absolutely plastered while you were there watching it and just loving it i saw them at the anson rooms in would have been 2004 or five i I saw they were supporting oh god who was it some 41 really some some 41 (laughs) so i was at uni and we some 41 were the the headline we'd never heard of real big fish before I, i think other than maybe like i think they had a track on one of the american pie soundtracks or something like that and they came on and were absolutely incredible. Some 41 came on and were shocking. <laughs> so bad. But we all came away from it like buzzing because we'd heard a lot of um, of Real Big Fish. And yeah, that was that was my introduction to them. It was incredible. 
I still reckon that gig is the sweatiest I've ever been at any gig because you were either skanking or bouncing up and down. It was one or the other. And I don't think I stopped moving for the entire gig. Everyone was soaked in beer and sweat and goodness knows what else. And it was it was just so much fun. Like like you say, everyone came out massive grins on their faces. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Real Big Fish live more than any band. I think I've seen them six times live now. And um, every time they go it's it's brilliant they do something they do lots of different things like they've, they've got a song called suburban rhythm and i saw them do a, that song that only lasts about a minute and a half um from their favorite noise album but they did it in about 20 different musical styles um Amazing. to like goth and <laughs> like emo and like they did it as a power ballad and it was just it was brilliant absolutely brilliant that's fantastic i wonder whether we should have you back on to talk about real big fish if you've seen them that much that sounds like somewhere we should we should spend a bit of time on love to do that well i've just seen they've got, they've released an album in 2018 called life sucks let's dance which yeah. looks, looks amazing <laughs> i didn't even know up. that existed but i'm gonna yeah. totally have to listen to that after this totally awesome. sums it up so good brilliant all right so you, we've already talked about you've seen them live was it despite his persona you enjoyed the gig very much yeah a really good live band absolutely knew how to knew how to get the crowd going did a lot of clever things with quiet intros so even the songs that have big intros i think they finished with my name is jonas and the intro Amazing. to that they did it very very quietly to build it up and like the the intro lasted about four or five minutes all by itself and then fired into the main bit of the song and yeah fantastic gig it was just you could see that he was almost like i don't know why you're enjoying this but i'm pleased that you are <laughs> <laughs> see i don't mind that too much as long as as long as it doesn't impact on your enjoyment of the gig i think it's quite sweet when someone's like oh it's it's nice that you're all here <laughs> yeah yeah and I think you can you can go and see bands that you that you think are, that where the front man's you know this larger than life personality and then you turn up as an example I went to see Kasabian live not that long ago thought it was going to be a brilliant show big fan of um, as him as a front man he, he was just completely disinterested spent the majority of the the gig facing his own band members wasn't looking at the crowd and it was just it was really disappointing but Rivers was very much the other way I've never liked Kasabian so I saw them once at reading or leeds festival and they just seem like a pretentious set of wankers <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's just live maybe it's just live they come across like that possibly so although I, I have I, seen I, interviews I really like the music but um, i've seen interviews yeah. with him where he's basically talked about they're the greatest band in the world and blah 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 and seems to not be tongue-in-cheek the way he's talking about it so yeah well my life experience with him probably would back that up as well <laughs> nice cool well let's let's leave it there before we go down the route of shitting all over kasabian too much <laughs> Yeah, I won't come back on to talk about that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Mark. It's been really fun. And this is, I mean, Weezer's a, a lot of fun to chat about and they are a great band. So if you haven't really got into them, if you missed out on the Blue Album, definitely go back and have a listen to it because it is, it's an absolute belter. Classic. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at I Might Be Wrong UK. You can find us on Facebook. You can harass Henry on Facebook, but not on Twitter. Mark, where can people find you if they want to tell you how wrong you are about Weezer? <laughs> uh, on Twitter, I am This Is Sparky S, or find me chatting with Rich on the, the NFL Long Stat Pod if you're that way inclined. Ah, good good call on plugging that. I fail miserably to plug that very much. <laughs> it just seems sensible had... as we both on it. <laughs> we've had three of you on so far and I keep forgetting. Yeah, let's not All forget right. I, I'm third of those three, so thanks for that. <laughs> hey, you're ahead of Russ. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> 
we will be back next week. Uh, Mark might be back some point in the future. We hope to have him back on to, uh, to talk with us again. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.